Greetings. It's the Prouty Farm Report from Omaha, Nebraska. And today is September 5th, 2023. And the weather finally turned cold here in Omaha. Thank God. I don't do well when it's warm. But um, I am today thinking a lot about who's going to win the 2024 election. And it's just uncanny to me that the um, the Trump continues to pull about even with Joe Biden. Uh, the Real Clear Politics, RCP, great source for kind of a good balanced accumulation of news links and a summation of polling, uh, has the race basically tied with, in the average, Biden up by about 0.7% but his number's going down. Um, and that's pretty, it's, it's kind of where the Democrats can still win because um, you think back uh, of a similarly unpopular president who was Democrat, that would be Barack Obama in his second term, 2012, uh, the 2012 election against Romney. And, um, I think Barack Obama's approval ratings were around 41, 42%. And uh, there was just a lot of kvetching in the in, in Democratic circles and Obama circles that uh, he was bleeding support and they had a risk of losing. And they really thought that. And that was going into the fall of 2012. And as you remember, even though Barack Obama did very badly, very poorly in the debates, uh, it got better over, I think, over three debates, but he was really kind of off his game early on. And it didn't matter. Obama won a second term pretty easily. So that's kind of where we are. I think that uh, though Biden's approval ratings are lower than um, Obama's was, uh, Obama's were, I think Ob Biden's uh, job approval ratings are about 39, 40%. Sometimes it goes down to 38 so it is lower. But as I said repeatedly on many posts, as you can read here on the Crotty Farm Report, the, the Democrats uh, play for keeps. They, uh, um, and that's why the, I think the Alan Simpson comparison of the smart party versus the stupid, the, no, the evil party versus the stupid party, the evil party being the Democrats and the stupid party being the Republicans still holds. I think that the Democrats are going to, they're very good at getting out the vote. And they will find people who are reluctant voters. Uh, they they did some polling before the 2012 election and the inside polling from Obama's uh, circle said that there's a lot of his support was in the uh, three to four percent, uh, three to four out of 10 in terms of their intensity. And uh, the Romney support was much stronger in intensity. But the success of Obama in 2012 was he's able to get out the low intensity voter. And, and that, that's just a tribute to the extraordinarily effective uh, ground operation that, uh, that Obama had. And of course, always remember the Democrats have so much money to spend. They raise so much more money than Republicans for the party. So they can throw tons of money at um, just paid uh, workers to to go and knock on doors, uh, leave literature, and most importantly, as I've noted repeatedly, 
text people reminders, call them, go literally to their door and take them to the polls. That is an insane level of manpower. And they have unions to help in that regard. Teachers union uh, is very effective in this regard, but also uh, other longstanding unions uh, from like the Teamsters to the auto workers, et cetera. So, and service workers, oh my God, everybody who benefits from expanding federal government, expanding federal government uh, votes Democrat. So the permanent state in DC, which is mostly a democratic city and filled with the administrative state workers, they vote Democrat and they go out to the neighboring states and get out the vote in Maryland, Virginia, and travel beyond that to other states to get out the vote. So all of this tells me that my prediction that by Bi the Biden, even if even he can if he can't talk and he can't put a sentence together, could still easily win in uh, 2024, even though numbers for Trump are better than they've ever been. He's never seen these kinds of uh, approval ratings uh, and he's never been this doing this well in polling this far out from an election in the two times he's in. The, this will be the third time he's run. Um, I just never underestimate the ability of Democrats to get out the vote. And on top of that, they not only have their own money uh, and infrastructure, which is so superior, uh, they have big donors like Zuckerberg, as you know, gave, I don't know how the number gets kind of confusing, but it was, I think, over 100 million, maybe 200 million or more to um, election workers. Um, and, you know, nobody gives money to uh, elections unless they want an outcome. There, there's no like white knight out there who's just going to give money to have fair elections. Uh, what Democrats call fair, quote unquote, is elections that they win. Now, I'm not saying those are illegal actions, but the idea of fair is maximum level of enfranchisement, even if it might violate state legislative parameters. We saw that, obviously, in 2020, where uh, Democrats uh, overturned or circumvented uh, or unilaterally decided not to follow uh, state election procedures about you know, signatures on ballots, on whether you can send out unsolicited mail-in ballots, on whether you can, you know, what are the dates that the ballot has to arrive, how many days late it can arrive. So many little peculiarities for each state because each state controls how they want to run the election, which is kind of good in a way, especially, you know, even if they have different election systems, it's kind of good because it's harder to have fraud when you have different election systems and software even is actually a good thing to have different kinds of software. So, but Democrats are so effective at using, at, at working each state's way of host holding an election to their advantage. Um, and their advantage is, um, you know, maximum level of participation. And even if, even if it causes a little bit more fraud or illegal voting, that's worth the risk. That is actually their mindset, which is that there's always fraud. That's the Democratic view. And it's it's so minor, it's way more important to expand the franchise and not worry about fraud. The Republican view is one fraudulent vote is is problematic. And um, and unfortunately, as I talked to some friends today, the courts kind of see it the Democratic way. The courts see it like they, they look at it in terms of size versus the crime itself. So. If you have, and this is why Trump's appeals, even though I do think he lost the 2020 election, 
his appeals uh, around fraud, even where there are cases where there were fraudulent votes of dead voters, um, the, 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 the uh, courts didn't seek a remedy for Trump because there wasn't sufficient enough to overturn the election. And the, the Republican view, which has been misstated over and over, is, is not that we know for sure that the number of fraudulent votes are going to overturn the election. The, the issue is, let's find out if this is a smoking gun, not a smoking gun, but this is like a red flag showing us that there's fraud. Let's look deeper into the fraud because there might be more fraud. If we, if we actually take that next step, halt the counting of votes until we really know. But, you know, again, it's, it's an imperfect system because if that happened every election, which is, is always the Democrat view, I and mean, when the Republicans win, um, they always say that there's fraud. I mean, this is such a hypocrisy on the part of the media to say only Republicans have made this claim. But the idea is the efficiency, the efficient running of government. And we could spend a lot of time after every election making sure that there was zero fraud. So you got to understand in America that the, the system is based on the idea that there is some fraud, there are some illegal votes always going to happen. And we want to keep those to a minimum, but we can never get to the point of perfection where there is no fraud because that would slow down the transfer of power. And the tra peaceful transfer of power has always been the primary hallmark, actually, in the American system. So... Uh, the key, the key question now, as we think about 2024, is not whether Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. Trump is going to be the Republican nominee. Uh, the polling is showing that. He, doesn't even, he didn't even show up to the first debate. He is not going to show up to the second debate, which I think is being held in Simi Valley at the Reagan Center. Uh, and though other candidates rise a little bit afterwards because they are on TV while Trump is not, his hold over the MAGA base, the fundamental base, the, the new Republican Party I've been talking about and writing about extensively, which is a working class base, which used to be a, the Democratic base, um, that base is 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 unshakable. They're gonna they're gonna vote for Trump, and they're pretty ticked off because they see a lot of they see a lot of politicization, right or wrong. They see a lot of politicization in the various indictments um, against Trump in Democrat run states and Democrat run. Uh, departments of justice uh, or attorney general's offices or uh, prosecutor's office. And so they just, he, he just, his, his support gets stronger with each new indictment. So the question, and I think this is the thing I'm going to wrestle with for the last few minutes of this uh, podcast is, is the, uh, is the democratic strategy, which has worked in three straight elections, is it going to work a fourth time? You know, it's really, you know, you can run a play in football, and this is, of course, football season for us in Cornhusker country, and I do think that we're going to beat, I'm probably wrong on this, but I think we're going to give it a much closer game because Colorado on Saturday. I don't know if we'll win because we lose almost every close game, but it's hard to imagine that Matt Rule will lose again, but, you know, first two games, but we could. But the point is, the Democrats have run the same strategy now uh, since 2018, when they won the midterms two years into Trump's a tenure, and their strategy is this. Throw everything at him, however speculative it may be. Uh, throw disinformation at him, censorship at him, specious lawsuits, impeachments, throw it all at him, which is what they did. The Steele dossier, which is, folk, which is bogus, of course, and the people who propagated it should be in prison because according to the logic of Jack Smith and his trial and his case against 
Trump in D.C., it's about defrauding the voters. He's not even about incitement. It's about defrauding the voters with his false claims. Well, that's exactly what the Steele dossier was. Completely made up claims about Trump and Trump-Russia collusion and promulgated through not, not only the deep state and intel services, et cetera, but through mass media damaging the Trump presidency, especially in relation to foreign countries. So there's a hypocrisy here, but the Democrats don't care about uh, that they they're they're here to win. The, the Republicans care a lot about it, but they're, they're you know the system, the, the way the politics is run, it, it's not run in a fair way. So anymore, so the, you know the so the Democrats' strategy is has been to come at Trump with everything. This see what sticks. They just throw everything, every specious claim or valid claim, they throw it against the wall, and they have their friends in media propagated and social media and big tech they censor anything that's contradicting that and they and they advance anything that supports that claim so you saw that with the russia collusion hoax you saw that with their fisa court abuse they you saw that um with the spying on the on trump's surrogates and you saw it on uh with um uh with the steel dossier and 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 um anything connected to that so that strategy works because the point of it is to get a reaction out of Trump. It's basically a strategy that will hopefully cause an overreaction out of Trump. And the overreaction then is what will uh, persuade swing voters not to vote for Trump. And that strategy worked. In 2018, uh, Republicans got thrashed um, in, in, in many uh, House races. Uh, and then in 2020, it now COVID played a big role, but the, the Democrats, again, thinking brilliantly, they had more exciting candidates than Mayor, Mayor Pete and um, and just more original thinkers uh, that were on the on the stage, um, including, you know, Amy Klobuchar and others, who was very successful in the Senate. But they decided once again, we're going to rally around somebody who's going to be calm and will not uh, will not upset the centrist voters that we need to peel off. And it worked because Biden just hit out, and that's the Republican talking point, but basically stayed out of the public eye pretty much, um, was fairly calm in comparison to Trump. And in the first debate, Trump just completely lost it. Now, totally vindicated because all his claims about Hunter Biden have been true. The, the laptop is real. And of course, the, the Democrats did what they always do, which is they created disinformation. You know, they they got 51 intel, former intel chiefs to basically lie, which I think they should be prosecuted. That is exactly the same terms that Jack Smith is using against Trump in D.C. They lied. And there was a study came out saying 20 percent of Biden voters, had they known that the Henry Trump laptop was real, they would have voted. They wouldn't have voted for Biden. And that's, in a way, this this disenfranchised voters, uh, according to Jack Smith's own terms. And uh, Trump has a would have would have had a great lawsuit, but unfortunately, the disinformation worked. The courts didn't want to hear it, and um, you know the the laptop was portrayed by the intel chief as Russian disinformation, and by Biden's president. So, um, so it's it's basically feed disinformation into the system, get Trump to overreact, and that's it. And so this strategy worked in 2020, and then in 2022, the 22 midterms. Trump was out there campaigning for his surrogates. And um, miraculously, again, the Democrats ran totally on Trump. They had a year-long impeachment hearing, which which uh, Speaker McCarthy um, 
well, he was majority leader, mishandled and should have had Republicans on that committee. It was a completely one-sided, uh, you know, kangaroo court of, of, in effect. And um, it was just a one year long propaganda for Trump being evil and behind January insurrection, behind January 6th insurrection. Never mind, there was a far worse summer of insurrection led by the Democrats or encouraged or enabled by Democrats in cities across the fruit of plan, which way more damage to federal buildings, police precincts, burned them down in Minneapolis, way more violence, way more destruction, way more threats to the public, really scary stuff went down. Nobody to this day talks about it. So again, they're the masters of deflection uh, and, uh, you know, projecting what they're guilty of onto others. I mean, this is all standard talking points and just factual. And if they were honest, Democrats would admit this is their strategy. So again, in 2022, uh, although Republicans did gain a little bit in uh, in parts of uh, New York State uh, and, and, and a few other places, generally the, the Democrats did way better than anybody thought they would do. And, um, you know, as a result, the, there's only a five or six seat Republican majority in the House, and and there is no there's a, still a Democratic majority in the Senate. So the the get Trump strategy, as Alan Dershowitz would call it, is very effective. Okay, had his had his work three straight times. Make it about Trump, not about Biden, not about the Democrats and their horrible record on the border, on crime and stupid laws that don't punish shoplifting and smash and grab. This stuff is just an epidemic everywhere. Homelessness in big cities crime in big cities, their management of the country has been terrible. Their, their management of the withdrawal from Afghanistan was abysmal. I mean, there are so many things that the Democrats have screwed up. Uh, crime, the border, foreign policy, uh, just many things. And then, of course, a lot of parents are pissed off by certain, you know, being cut out of the decisions in schools or what their kids are taught. And, and the all identity politics thing, wherever you stand on that, Republicans are pissed on that. But it doesn't matter. See that do, it doesn't matter. Those are issues in the twenty in the twenty twenty two midterms. We thought it was going to be a, a a complete evisceration of Democrats. It didn't materialize. Why? Trump. It's either Trump or not Trump. And they were able to make the effective case that Trump is a threat to democracy, and you need to vote for people who are not Republican. If you vote for Republicans, they're going to enable Trump, and that'll be a threat to democracy, even though the Democrats were a far greater threat to democracy. There's no greater threat to democracy than unchecked crime or uh, domestic terrorists uh, like uh, Antifa or just the, the insurrection that happened after the death of George, George Floyd. I mean, those things are way greater threats to the country. But the Democrats have won that argument, and they've got social media search and, and, and media behind them, and they're not going to lose that argument. They're, they're winning that argument. And the other thing that, of course, uh, they're very good at is exploiting certain cultural issues. And, of course, the abortion decision in Dobbs was very favorable to, um, to the Democrats in 2022. So that's all the setup to the conclusion of whether this strategy will work four times in a row. So I think, as I outlined, there they're kind of in the right space to win the game again, because Biden is right around the numbers, a little less than Obama was, but he's tied with Trump. 
given the ground game, given their control of media, the Democrats should should pull it out. I still believe they will pull it out. Whether Joe can speak or not will not matter. Uh, and the reason is because they're not going to go and decide, you know, go 25th Amendment on it. Even if even if Biden has a stroke, even if Biden can't move, the Democrats know that the others on their bench are not the kind of people that can beat Trump. Water breaking up. They know, and the polling totally shows this, that um, the pretty boy uh, Gavin Newsom, uh, the buffoonish Vice President Kamala Harris, and anybody else that you think is a possible alternative, polls terribly against Trump. Like he definitely beats them in the general election. Only Biden. Now it's possible that only Biden, only Biden could beat Trump, and any other Democrat could beat any other Republican or any other Republican could beat uh, Biden. That's the weird thing. But only Biden uniquely has one function, he can beat Trump. And that's because he appeals to older voters who wanna, even though he's a wackadoodle at times, Biden is calmer to them than Trump. That was key during COVID and he won a lot of senior voters uh, who would would naturally go more Republican, but they, they went for Biden. So. Democrats aren't stupid. They understand, just like they understand John Fetterman in the Senate race in Pennsylvania. It doesn't matter if the guy had a stroke. It doesn't matter if he couldn't talk or make any sense. That D next to the name, given their ground game and given Trump connected to the Republican Party, is all the Democrats need. So looking at it now, I think that it's very likely, almost impossible to think that the Democrats... Uh, it's impossible to think the Democrats won't prevail. I think they will in 2024. A few caveats. The Republicans, though they are the stupid party, and they were the real stupid party in 2020, by dis Trump discouraging people from mail-in voting, which is nuts. I think they've got religion, and they know that they can't allow that. They have to say, you vote early, you park that vote, because God knows what's going to happen in your city or town on election day, rain, snow, or whatever, hurricane, whatever. So they've seen the light. The most obvious thing is get, as the Democrats have long understood, vote, vote early. And uh, so that now, I think that religion is trickling down. So that advantage, the Trump, Trump discouraging voters by telling them they had to vote on election day for his own self-aggrandizement and his own theory that the system's corrupt, uh, that killed the Republicans and, and caused him to lose, which makes, you know, there's a whole other psychological theory about that. Like, he'd rather lose if it could prove that he was cheated than actually win. I do think that's part of his psyche, which is really screwed up, but that's another issue. Um, so I think that's going to help Republicans. I think there will be less stupid activity and there will be mail-in ballots or there will be early drop-off ballots or et cetera, et cetera. I think that's going to narrow the margin. For Biden. I mean, remember, it, he lost by 40, he won by 40,000 votes in just a few states, putting them together. Trump won by just 80,000 votes in several states. So once again, it's really tight when it comes to electoral college. So if you have more Republicans voting um, in uh, by mail or otherwise in advance, I think that gap narrows a lot, a lot in key swing states. Uh, the other thing is, 
there's some research that came out recently um, that at least black male voters are increasing their interest in Trump. And I could do a whole podcast having worked in the inner city and worked, as you know, through Proudy's kids. You should watch the movie. It will be up on it's um, you can buy the CD-ROM still. DVD, not the CD-ROM, uh, though there was a soundtrack. I guess that could be on CD-ROM. I guess I do have that. But you could buy the DVD on um, on Amazon. Uh, uh, it's Karate Skids documentary. But I've had a lot of experience working in urban areas. I understand. I think I, for a white dude for the Midwest, I have a pretty good handle on as best I can. I don't, I don't want to say, you know, that I do fully understand. But I, having taught in the inner cities and uh, inner city, and I, I think I understand the black young male voter pretty well. And I think that it's not huge, but I think that there could be upwards maybe of a 20% black male vote for Trump, maybe 25, but that's a pretty high limit. But that's enough. If you have more mail-in votes from Trump voters and early voting, and then you have an uptick in the black male vote, that could put Trump and the black male and black Hisp and, and Hispanic vote, excuse me, Hispanic male vote, which I've definitely seen. Uh, you could you could barely get Trump over the top. Um, but there's a couple things that have really hurt him. Uh, and we're in a post-January 6th world now. So there's five to 10% or even more of moderate centrist, either Democratic centrist, Republican centrist, uh, suburban voters who will not vote for Trump under any circumstance. And there's this five to 10% of the Republican party that would coalesce around their natural, around their nominee that will not vote for Trump. They, under any circumstance, they will write in their father, they'll write in their dog, they will write in anybody but Trump. And that's a terrible situation. Because the, the Republicans are not as popular party as the Democrats. So if they have a core group of their, not a core group, but a sizable proportion, five to 10%, who will not vote for Trump under any circumstance, that cancels out whatever uptick in votes that the Republicans get from uh, Black males and Black and Hispanic males. So then we're just back to the same numbers. So then you go, well, okay. Is there something that Republicans can do granularly in certain states? Well, no, because Georgia, Arizona, and Wisconsin have actually, the voter registration has gone more Democrat in the last several years. So those states are trending away from Republicans. Um, what about then if we're losing those states, if the Republicans are, using, are losing, and that's also true in Michigan, by the way. So Wisconsin, Michigan, Arizona, Georgia, trending Democrat, not good. Those are key swing states. Um, so, but what about Pennsylvania? What about Virginia? Well, it's possible that uh, if Trump picks Young, Glenn Youngkin, the current governor of Virginia, who has, he's wealthy like Trump, not as wealthy, maybe he has more, I don't know, but he, he made his money. He came from a sort of humble upbringing and made good money, I think, working for the Carlisle Group. And so if you put Youngkin, who, whose major selling point was speaking to Democratic and Republican and independent suburban parents who were shut out during the COVID of a lot of decisions made about their kids uh, in terms of masking, in terms of going to school in person, in terms of what they were being taught. And he figured out a way to stay sort of hands distance with Trump, but not alienate Trump and appeal to this suburban woman and man 
man, I'll tell you, if you put Youngkin on the ticket, you might be able to win Virginia and you might be able to win Pennsylvania, especially with Biden's, you know, sort of quasi anti uh, oil and natural gas policies, possibly. Okay. I'd have to look at the, at the, I always go to 270 to win. I don't know if that would put Trump over the top. He still may need to win Michigan, Wisconsin, one of, one of those, Michigan, Wisconsin, uh, or uh, Iowa or Arizona, but it's possible. So that's, that's one uh, strategy that Trump could deploy to, to pull it out against, I think, very difficult odds. The other and I think the main strategy, and if the Republicans would just think like Democrats, then this is the only strategy I see that will conclusively uh, allow a guy who has 10% of his own party hating him um, to, to, to allow him to win. And that's just the Hunter Biden strategy. I think that it's gotten pretty conclusive that um, Joe Biden... Um, was the key figure, as you were, as you would call it, in the Hunter Biden uh, influence peddling uh, operation. Um, you know, all the stuff related to whether you know Hunter Biden admitted that you know on a, lied on his form that he was a, a drug addict for you know for buying a gun. Yeah, that you know that happened obviously. Um, obviously, he didn't register as a foreign agent in some cases. Obviously, that happened. He should have been prosecuted for both those things. No question about it. But the key thing, and anybody who's worked in Washington understands this implicitly, if you bring your dad on a phone call with foreign clients, he doesn't need to say anything. He could talk about the weather. The mere presence of Joe Biden on that call is the proof of concept that I, Hunter Biden, can get my dad on the call. Therefore, you have to give me money. That's it. And there are laws and there's also rules uh, just internally in, in, uh, in the executive branch in Congress. You cannot use the power of your office to benefit a third party, a private party making a, for a profit entity. But that's exactly what Joe Biden was doing as vice president. He was in increasing the value of his son's and his partner's son's partner's business of uh of basically lobbying um and uh that there was no imaginal line there there was not and so joe biden was the key thing that added value to hunter biden's business if he never appeared on the phone calls then you could kind of say eh you know yeah i do know my dad but i'm not gonna be able to prove it to you but the fact that he does appear on the phone calls and hunter is say, says on calls that I can get my dad on the call right now. If you don't do what I'm telling you, what I'm asking, I can get him on the phone right now. That's all you need. The evidence is there. Really, there's no need for more investigation because that's it. The final nail in the coffin would be of all the tens of millions that the, the, the Hunter scheme netted his family. If these accounts, these many shell companies and these various accounts all trickled down somehow uh, a piece of them to the big guy. Uh, I think that's going to be hard to prove, but um, there was there's a ton of money made, and it went to various accounts. It connected to kids and grandkids, uh, and it's 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 not just smoke. I mean, it's real fire. So the problem is the media doesn't want to talk about it. Social media does not want to talk about it. At least from the uh, the most powerful voices in the Democratic Party, 
And, you know, these stories are, are pretty much downranked in search. So when you got big tech against you, you don't have the kind of money the Democrats have to foist a narrative on the public. It's going to be really hard. So it, there's going to have to be some real obvious smoking gun, the Watergate burglars get caught kind of thing, or, you know, we have the 20 some minutes of tape or we have the existence of a tape recording device in the White House, kind of Nixonian level stuff that then that would that would kind of even out the corruption argument. Like oh, Trump's a crook or Trump's corrupt or Trump's a liar and Biden's a liar and Biden's a crook. Then those kind of wash. And then you're back in the, you know, we're back in the Access Hollywood Trump versus, you know, Hillary, you know, bleach bidding or emails. It's like, which is worse? It's hard to say. So it's a wash. Trump wins. So they have to somehow get the narrative in the country to the point where the voters, especially the few but key uh, in the middle swing independent voters go, yeah, they're both corrupt. The whole thing's corrupt. That when you hear that, that's actually good for Trump. The whole thing's corrupt. Biden is just as bad as Trump. If you hear people saying that, people who are centrist or are moderate Democrats, if you start to hear that, come next summer, and I always pay attention to these sort of signs in the voting public. If you start hearing people say, oh, George, this is corrupt. That's very good. It doesn't matter if you hear from Republicans because of course that's what they believe. But if you hear from Democrats or you hear from moderates or independents, that's a really good sign for Trump because then that argument has won and somehow they've broken through with it. But it will take, unlike with Trump, where they could just lie and make up stuff or just throw stuff against the wall. When it comes to any Republican um, accusation against Biden, they have to come with old school journalistic proof. You know, before the era of you just make it up and you float the steel dossier and there's no repercussions to you as a news organization. In this era in which Republicans are at such a grotesque disadvantage, they have to bring conclusive proof of Biden criminality. And if they do, I do think, even with the incredible ground game the Democrats have, that, um, that Trump could sneak it out. The only other thing, and I've talked about this before, uh, that could help Trump, uh, besides the ones I've mentioned, which is, of course, the Youngkin strategy and try to peel off Virginia and maybe and get and somehow win in uh, nearby uh, Pennsylvania. Besides that, and the second strategy, which of course is the Hunter Biden strategy, the Hunter Joe corruption strategy. The final one is that Republicans, again, they're the dumb party. They won't think to do this, but if they were the smart party and, and followed what the uh, the evil party and the, and the smart party is that are the Democrats, if they actually would follow the Democratic playbook, they'd be doting tons of money to Cornell West right now as a Green Party candidate who can peel off hard left Democrats in key cities, Detroit, Milwaukee, uh, Philadelphia, Atlanta, Phoenix, pull off the hard left, get them to vote for Cornell West. That would hurt Joe Biden, be very similar to Ralph Nader and, and, and how he hurt Democrats. So, I, I mean, I love that strategy. If, if Republicans who, who, who never listened to me <laughs> But if they would get off their asses and, and and actually think for a change, they'd be donating a lot of money to Cornell West. And they would also be encouraging the uh, bipartisan ticket 
they'll be voting on that ticket in April of next year. Um, the no labels candidate, which I think would be Joe Manchin and Huntsman of Utah, but I'm not sure what it's going to end up being. But uh, I I kind of disagree. No labels has been making this claim. It's going to that they would steal votes from both parties and that they wouldn't run if they only stolen from one party because they're all about bipartisanship. But I think it's pretty undeniable. It would give, yes, it would give never Trumpers a place to go. And it would give the Biden people uh, who, who are the centrists who just think Joe is corrupt and incompetent a place to go. But I think it'll peel a little more from the Democrats. I have no proof of that, but just instinct on that. So those are the strategies. Um, it's a long shot uh, for Trump to beat Biden, even though the polls show them even now. That doesn't reveal this, the, the reality beneath the surface, which is the incredible structural advantages the Democrats have in all of these areas I've discussed from campaign, get out the vote, money, media, search, et cetera. But there are some there are some lanes for for Trump to, to pull this out. And I don't think any other Republican has a shot. I think this is all decided. Um, Unless some fluke happens in Iowa, New Hampshire, and the people are lying to pollsters again. Um, I mean, I, I don't think Trump's going to crush him in Iowa, but I think he'll squeak it out or come in second. And I think he'll win New Hampshire and then go on to, 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 to a big Super Tuesday win right around uh, when they're dragging him into the courtroom, which only will help him with Republican voters. So that's it. Let me know what you think in the comments area. I don't take notes. I don't write anything out before I talk on a pod. I just let it rip. So if there's any little mistakes I made, uh, I'm sure um, you can understand. I, I uh, probably didn't intend that. <laughs> so let me know what you think in the comments area. If you feel like it and you have the dough, subscribe to the Crowdy Farm Report. And of course, I'll be looking for sponsors here soon. So if you want to become a sponsor, also get in touch with me. Take care. This has been the Crowdy Farm Report from Omaha, Nebraska. Oh,